company has built um, a small, um, completely off-grid system that is not connected through any wire connection to our cloud-based uh, system, which has weather forecasting, energy forecasting, and data analytics, we are able to manage and operate um, thousands and tens of thousands of small off-grid systems for street lights, for security cameras, for cell phone towers, for Wi-Fi hotspots, um, for all of the infrastructure um, that is needed to deliver mission-critical power. That's what ClearBlue does. From the article that also Limo sent me from Bankelele, there was the new project that Clear Blue Technologies was doing in the Marshall Islands. Can we use these as an example to explain how the Clear Blue Technology system works? So just for background, we have systems for street and city infrastructure as well as for telecom in many African countries as well as in the Marshall Islands. Um, we've got projects in Kenya, Egypt, um, Zimbabwe, Nigeria, um, uh, and a number of other, Morocco, um, and a number of other countries in Africa. And so the Marshall Islands project is for telecommunications. And one of the interesting um, and renewable goals is that the world has changed. You used to be very worried about roads and then roads and water. And now it's almost becoming more important to have um, power and uh, communications connectivity. If you have power, you can get clean water. And if you have communications connectivity, then you can have fair trade um, and much more commerce and business. And it has a huge impact on the economic growth of the, of the marketplace. Um, once people have communications, um, as you know, it, it is a key portion of the payment infrastructure as well. Um, it is mission critical. And the key is to get the communications either through Wi-Fi or through 2D cellular, years or six years, 5G also, is to get it everywhere. Not just where you have power. And so what a small power system. Think of it as something you would put on a pole. Um, so not a big uh, technology. And the key reason we have focused on that is because for, for every cent, at 40 cents you spend on solar energy, you spend another 60 cents to connect that up solar energy. And so with our technology, the solar and hybrid it can be wind solar that solar offering system is right at the location and can be anywhere in the world so the marshall 
uh, is an island community in Southeast Asia, where, and we can send you some pictures of some of the installations we already have. Um, Rebecca, we should send her a picture of the telecom installation in Rwanda and in Nigeria. And that small system sits right beside the cell phone tower or right at the top, if it's a small system on the top of the pole. And through that, we can make sure that that telecom system is running 100% uh, uptime. It's always got power no matter what the weather, no matter what the situation is. And the reason we can do that is we have um, uh, big data analytics that we use for predictive forecasting. And if we know what weather is coming, then we can manage the system through in advance to make sure it works. And um, by doing that, the other thing is um, our experts who are managing systems all over the world can do approximately 80% of the work remotely. So it eliminates the need for people to have to go and visit the site um, and the 20% of the time where you might need to send someone to the site, um, because we have the expertise and the remote visibility, you can send a local person. So if we have a, a project in Marshall Islands, 80% um, of the time we have eliminated the need for someone to go to the site and do maintenance, and the 20% of the time that it is required, a local person from the local village can go and do that maintenance. They don't need any expertise because we can do it all remotely. We just, you know, tell them to go to the site and say whatever those actions may be. Sometimes it's connecting a cable. Sometimes it's it's cleaning a solar panel. Sometimes it's just checking to make sure everything's connected well. But the key is to eliminate the remote management. The, the need for someone to go to the site, and then if someone can go to the site, it can be a local person, um, which of course is great from a sustainability and economic perspective, and makes it possible to deliver a service more profitably in remote areas. You mentioned that you're doing a project in Kenya. What are these projects or the specific areas that um, CBT is working uh, or implementing a project in Kenya? So we have a partnership with Brick, which is a, a fantastic company that is headquartered in Nairobi, uh, Kenya. And Brick is rolling out a series of different communications uh, um, systems across to deliver both cell phones and uh, I don't actually know whether it's cell phone, it might only be Wi Fi, uh, but to deliver communicate, actually, I think it's just Wi Fi um, communications to, um, uh, to uh, people all across Africa, uh, Kenya. Um, they are, of course, in other countries as well, and um, uh, um, we have um, uh, we deliver the power solution for them. I read an article you wrote on Forbes on the the difference that uh, the CBT technology is offering in contrast with uh, the the normal grid system of transmission of power. And one of the big challenges um, African countries, out of my head, uh, Kenya. Nigeria, 
uh, have is uh, the problem of the transmission, the using of the old traditional grid system to transmit uh, energy. Because uh, also when I go to some of the systems that um, CPT is offering, the illuminant systems, the off-grid power systems, um, how, what, what, what systems do you think CBT can offer or um, the African countries can absorb to make sure that we can have or we can more or less phase out the normal grid systems of transmission of energy? Yeah, so what we do is we eliminate the entire need for transmission and distribution. The challenge with the grid um, is old electricity grid technology, and most of the technology we all use in the world is, is to some extent over 100 years old. It was built to have one large generating station. Here in Canada, it was a hydroelectric generating station. Um, I think you do use some hydro in, in, in um, that part of Africa, yes. um, but it could be nuclear, it could be coal, it could be gas, but it was one big central generating station, and then it was distribution to a small number of, of, of systems, you know, a very small power grid that was to a small number of endpoint locations. What's happened today is that instead of one big energy generation, you now have all these different energy generation locations, multiple solar renewable energy farms and other different sources. So all of a sudden, instead of one power input, you have dozens and dozens of power inputs. And on the load side, you know, everybody needs power. Every house, every street light, uh, you know, every security camera. Um, the number of things that we want to have power is so big. So what you end up with is a grid that was built for a very simple network design that has turned into something that looks like spaghetti. It's, uh, you know, dozens and hundreds of inputs and then thousands and thousands of outputs. Yeah. And so what our technology does is it takes those very last endpoints, the street light, the security camera, um, the uh, railroad safety switch, um, uh, the uh, telephone, the Wi-Fi tower, all of those end devices, if you now take it off of the grid and you go completely off-grid, you are going to relieve a significant pressure on the grid. So the grid, it can be a great thing and it has its purpose, but it should not be used for everything. And so what our technology does is it deals with the tens of thousands of small power devices that all need cabling, like just drive down the street um, in any village or any, you know, even in Nairobi. And, um, you know, I, I was in Nairobi, I think last year, and you're driving down the highway and you've got streetlights in the middle and you've got wires everywhere and you're trying to put in cell phone power. It's just a big network of spaghetti. And um, by 
stuff off, now all of a sudden the electricity grid can be simplified and then can focus on doing its job very well. So our focus is to take all of those um, nano, small power devices, all of the electronic devices we have in the world, the Wi-Fi hotspots, the, the cell phone towers, the street lights, the security cameras, all of those kinds of things completely off the grid, which makes the grid easier to operate and more reliable. And the interesting thing is that if you spend 40 cents of solar in a micro-grid solar farm and you feed it into it, you have to spend another 60 cents to get that power to that cell phone tower or to that street light. If you now take that same 40 cents, it's 40 cents. So what you're effectively doing is you're taking power that would normally cost a dollar if you were going to use the grid and it's going to cost you 40 cents instead. So there's a 60% savings in cost between going with an off-grid solution like what we do and using the grid for those applications. And of course, if you can free up 60% of that cash, then you can use it to invest in other areas to make the grid better and stronger as well. Moving to the technology path, what skills do you think um, African economies and African youths can equip themselves to be able to look um, to look ahead in implementing or including technology into energy management? So, um, I think that um, as with anything, you know, whenever we talk about education. Education is really about getting information to people. Um, and so one of the benefits of our technology is that the African operators, the local villager, the businesses, um, all of the people who are involved with the system that we provide, they have access to log into our Illumians management platform. And through that, expert, uh, that access, they have access to a massive amount of information. And um, just like when you go to school and you learn, as soon as you have massive amounts of information, and that information is presented in a way that you can consume, your expertise level just increases exponentially. So the most important technology um, required in moving um, our level of service and, and efficiency and operation in the power industry in Africa is the access to the data and the ability to see how things are actually working and operating. Um, and as soon as you have the data, of course, you are able to exponentially improve. Imagine if you are you know, driving down a highway um, in your car, because you, you know, as soon as you see yourself driving off the side of the road, you have the data, wait a second, I'm driving off the side of the road, and you steer back onto the road. So you have that feedback mechanism to know immediately, wait a second, how do I drive, what speed, etc. because you're getting that feedback. When you use the Illumians platform, 
as you're operating the system, you get instantaneous and immediate feedback to know how the system is performing, what's working well, what's not working well, where do you have issues. Um, and you know, we, we've been working with Brick as an example, and um, because we have that data, you know, we'll reach out to them and say, hey, there's a situation over here, and not just, oh my god, there's a problem, but there is not a problem today, there could be a problem in a month and have a dead battery in a year, and so number one, you know ahead of time if there's a problem, you're not already in the ditch um, when you're driving, you're still on the highway and you just moved over a few centimeters, you know, and you have to correct your steering, so we can give them advanced information about it, and then the second thing is, um, we can tell them exactly what they must do um, in order to uh, uh, correct it. So when we, uh, the, the system will tell them, okay, the temperature probe has disconnected and your batteries are not operating properly because of temperature, which of course in Africa is a very important factor. Yeah. Um, and so by giving them that visibility of information, that is the key, it is the key to our success and what allows us to have the expertise we have and we are able to share that with all of our customers and people who are using it. What do you think is the future of um, AI technology and machine learning in um, CBT solutions, the solutions that you offer and uh, what is the potential or how far can CBT push the envelope in exploring technology, AI, and machine learning to improve the value and the services uh, you offer? Yeah, so I like to use the story of the iPhone um, as an example. So when the iPhone first came out, the, the Apple's iPhone, you used to get about three or four hours of power, and then the, the phone would die and there wasn't any energy left. And today, you know, you have much better power and energy from that phone. Um, you can, you know, depending upon how you use it, you can get a lot more energy and power. And of course, it's much faster, you can use a lot more apps, you can have a lot more data. So not only did it give me a longer battery life, but it is much more powerful than it was before. The interesting thing about the Apple iPhone is that the battery technology itself did not really change. Yeah. What changed was the data analytics and the predictive algorithms. So using data and then starting to use predictive data and then uh, as you do predictive analytics and then eventually those machines get smarter and smarter and do it all for us. What's happened is my, my iPhone's gone from zero to 10. And that is the journey that Clear Blue is on. Um, we are constantly improving what we do for our customers. And um, you know, we're already a company that is more than seven years old. We've had systems in the field for uh, eight years. Um, we've been commercially outselling for uh, almost five years, four years now. And um, through that time, we have been able to improve the performance of our systems and extend battery life and improve uptime. And so that 
capability of what we're doing in the company, the easy way to understand is to understand how much it's been improved in the Apple iPhone. And again, it's not about the battery technology, it's about the analytics and the control technology. I'm moving to financing and investing for startups in renewable energy. And Kenya recently just raised its first green bond. Um, how can green bonds help in financing renewable energy startups and companies and how has it worked for CBT? So the first thing that I would say about renewable energy financing is um, some, so kind of wave one is to say, okay, we're going to fund a solar farm. Yeah. and uh, you know a, a, a microgrid and where uh, renewable energy financing needs to go is it needs to make sure that it is a fairly open um, criteria um, to allow for different innovative methods and models um, to work so the, the biggest challenge I think when it comes to green uh, renewable financing and bonds is that sometimes the green bonds can be very restricted in um, the kind of project that it does and it can also be very restricted in that it can only be really big projects and where green bond financing needs to go is it needs to um, be technology agnostic so that as innovative technologies come out to the marketplace new and different business models come out to the marketplace, that those green bonds support those uh, new initiatives and not just the old models. Um, the second thing that I think is important to green bonds is that they need to be able to finance different sizes of projects. There are so many green bonds out there that say, oh, we'll only do a project if it's more than $50 million, and we'll only do a project if it's this kind of technology. And as a result, um, number one, that just creates a huge problem for operators because, of course, it just is a bad situation for the transmission and distribution grid of the electricity. Um, but it also does not allow us to accelerate quickly. So green bonds need to be able to support different technology and different types of projects, and they need to support um, uh, small projects uh, as well as large projects. And of course, small projects can move more quickly and generate much better return and be less risky. Taking into account Canada energy, renewable energy industry, um, how can corporates and uh, maybe government be encouraged to invest in clean energy development and projects? And also, what are the incentives that can be offered in return also to encourage Africa to invest um, in clean technology? So, um, the Canadian government is actually um, very as you may know, we have a very uh, diverse and multicultural um, uh, country here. Um, we are a younger country than many other countries and a new country relative to those that are you know, thousands of years old. And because of that, we have a real mixture of people from all over the world. And so trade and 
deal with one of uh, clearly deals with one of the largest banks in Canada. Um, and our banking relationship person is a woman from Nigeria. So when I go to talk to her to you know that bank about doing business in Africa, I don't need to explain it to her. So we understand um, the markets that we're in. Um, and we are very big on free trade and trade partnerships. So Export Development Canada, uh, which is an arm of the government, provides significant amount of trade support, payment financing guarantees, um, and services, which allows for uh, Canadian suppliers and Canadian um, uh, uh, financiers to finance projects in uh, Africa, all over Africa. So um, we are very international focused, pro free trade, uh, pro international work. Um, you know, we are a country of only 36 million people. And so, uh, you know, one of the great things is no one here in Canada thinks we should all focus in Canada. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a lot different than many other countries today. We just had an election this week. Um, the other thing I would say is that you know, Canada is a big oil, um, uh, uh, we have a lot of oil assets in here, one of the larger oil uh, producing nations. Um, and uh, there was an article in the Global Mail just two weeks ago, that's our national newspaper, talking about the fact that um, now we have more uh, people working in the renewables industry than we have in the traditional oil and gas industry. So energy, uh, right from the very first um, hydroelectric dam in the world was at Niagara Falls, which is in Canada, nuclear, oil and gas, and now renewables is a very big, you know, Clear Blue is very fortunate to have the support and backing of many different government agencies as we try to do what are some of the challenges um, clear blue technologies has faced in, while expanding out of North America and what policies do you think can be implemented to make um, it easy for the adoption of solar renewable energy outside Canada um, yeah I think there's really two challenges that we have faced. Um, the first challenge is everything takes too long. Um, projects and initiatives take a very long time to move forward. Um, and we just kind of need to speed everything up. Um, if we could do everything that we did faster, I think the world would be able to improve its, its situation. The second thing is that, you know, I don't know, I should count, but, I, you know, there's dozens of countries in Africa and every one of them has a different uh, import duty, import certificates, import things. So actually physically getting things um, to different countries and getting import and logistics done is incredibly difficult. Um, if they had, uh, you know, one of the benefits of things like the EU and NAFTA um, is that it, it, it's not so much that it's free trade, it's that everything is aggregated, um, just it, they could have different tax rates, they could have different percentages, they could all do that differently, but if all the paperwork is 
for people who do not know Africa, you know, when you first start, and like when I get a first employee who's never worked in Africa, the first thing I say to them is, you know, Africa is not a country, it is a continent, and there are dozens of countries, each of them uh, uh, unique, and uh, by the way, fabulous color and, and energy and uh, you know, music, it's just so, I love um, the energy. I was just telling someone yesterday, you know, we all dress in black and gray and gray and white, and, you know, maybe a bit of brown, and then when I land in Africa and I see the color and the energy and the vibrancy, um, it's fantastic. Um, but if we could somehow deal 